The only purpose for his life could be to serve as a warning to others. It's the Drew Marshall Show. In the merry month of June, from me home I started, left the girls at June, nearly broken hearted, salute to father dear, kiss me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears to smother, then off to eat the corn, leave where I was born, cut to stout black corn, to banish ghosts and goblins, a brand new pair of brogues, rattling o'er the bus, so, frightening all the dogs, it's a little known fact that um, when Celtic music comes on, like this, yeah, what happens? I want to punch someone. Okay, well, there's a couple of representatives of <laughs> some, of, some of our sponsors across the table. Yeah, that's right. No, this is the kind of music I work out to. I don't know anybody else who works out to bagpipes or Celtic music, but I just get fired up. Most people wouldn't share that. Let's get into uh, the pub crawl. Uh, to my immediate left is someone who has been involved in the camping industry since before he was born. Um... Would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Because I don't think people believe that you're actually here. <laughs> well, they will now. Hi, uh, my name is Nathan Thompson. I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. But Nathan uh, is, like, you say InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Can we not just say Pioneer? We couldn't say Pioneer. Actually, but you do so much more now, don't yeah, you? The yeah, yeah. job description we, we actually have four Pioneer camps and five Circle Square ranches. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. The next camp we'd like to talk about. Camp... Quasant. Yes, the camp that the girls have had the hardest time saying because they keep emphasizing sin. How do you feel about that, Matt? Hey, you know, th- anything gets you there and you start talking about it? <laughs> hey, man, all good promotions, great promotion. There you go. There you go. Um, how long have you been uh, with Camp Quasant for now? Now served as their executive director for the last three years. All right, guys, uh, let's get into our first uh, conversation. Uh, we posted a video, a YouTube video, which has some, some sweary words in it. And as I said, if you are offended by bad words, then please watch this video. Please. Um, the first conversation is about how thin-skinned our liberal society seems to be these days. Bill Maher, is he on to something with his rant about how thin-skinned our liberal society seems to be these days? Why is everyone offended so easily? And should people of faith be the least easily offended because they are, quote, above it? Or should persecuted parishioners fight for their right to party publicly about their beliefs? That was such a well-worded rant. So let's get into the first part of this. Matt, uh, you know, you've worked with young people for a long, long time. Do you think that our society in general is getting more thin-skinned? Do we, do we blame that? Is it a millennial thing? Is it a social media thing? Is it a, a media bias? Thing? Like, what's happening? A, do you think we're more thin-skinned, or, or am I just imagining things? We're being more aware. The, the reality is we're more aware globally of the world. We're more aware of issues, and more things are coming up on our phones daily of issues. People that feel that they're marginalized, people on the fringes, everyone's actions. If it's the latest burger that I'm posting on Instagram to the tweets that we see being sent out at 3 a.m. in the morning from a specific important person south or whatever, people are all seeing this and have access to way more information than they ever have. So we have a lot more chance and a lot more things to respond to. I think what we do, we are seeing though, is what Bill actually highlighted is, is the question between how do we protect people versus just making it all about feelings. And I think that the society is saying, how do we make sure we're, we're protecting people, uh, but have we gone too far and just making it all about everybody's feelings? So do you think we're more thin-skinned? Yes and no. What are you, a lawyer? Uh, hey, a politician? I'm a guy hanging out with Drew Marshall. 
but what I'm saying about that is I think that there's a thin skin that's happened as a result of how aware that we're becoming of world around us and being ultra sensitive to it and very conscious and kind of uh, tiptoeing around things. Uh, at the same thing, I think that we're all saying not as thin-skinned, that we're more aware of things that we actually got to care about. And there's more issues of, of people that we've got to care about that we haven't cared about because we've been so tied up in our own world. And now all of a sudden it's like, wow, I actually see the rest of the world. Mm. Maybe I actually got to care about something. But doesn't that then come down to, Nathan, don't you think that we, that we get offended on, more on other people's behalf? We say we're offended, but we're actually offended because we think someone else is going to be offended, so we become offended on their behalf. Yeah, if not, someone else should be offended. And I think Mar highlighted that as well. He used the Washington Redskins example. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, especially as Christians, that we have you know, a responsibility to try to be advocating for others, um, especially those that, as Matt said, are marginalized. Um, and uh, I think so that has a lot to do with how we're speaking about people as well. So I, I do think uh, that society is becoming more thin-skinned, but I do think that Christians have, a, in particular, a responsibility within the midst of that. Well, Tim, you're pretty good at sticking up for the millennials, so let me bring you in on this one, uh, right. as the two millennials in the corner can sit there and bite their lips. Yes. Uh, millennials are so upset over so many little things like Kanye or comment sections that they don't have the emotional space to care about important stuff. True story? No, I don't think so at all. I think, uh, like um, Matt had said earlier, that the, the, the challenge, I think, between our generation and the generation coming up is that they are much more aware of, of many more things that either we just didn't give a rat's patoot about or we just didn't know about. And, and I think now that we have to be aware of that, we need to be aware of it, I think that is, that is what's happening. Um, it's kind of like as a teacher, you know, I've, I've, I've got less time to get information to these kids' head than I had when I was in high school. Um, I had five years, you know, nine through 13, or you had seven or eight years. And, um, you know, nowadays it's just, it's just four years. Right. There's just so much more going on. Um, and I think Yeah, but they, your kids can multitask a heck of a lot better and get all this information assimilation going down way better than us thick meatheads used to back in the day when we went to grade 13. Yeah, but the, the problem is is that we're, we're looking at it from our point of view, and we're not looking well, at it from there. We're always going to look at things from Absolutely. our point of view. And I think the other thing, too, is is I, I, I believe that this whole idea of, and I hate to bring this in the conversation, but I'm going to anyways, is we've got um, six white people in this room, and um, we're at the top of the heap whether we like it or not. And a lot of these issues do have to do with uh, prejudice, racial intolerance, um, things that in a lot of ways we have no idea what it's like to be and i think that's important for us to become more aware in of the it. same way that they also should understand they by the folks that are that, yeah no no not millennials just you know you you talk about the fact that we're all white in this room right mm -hmm. now um the people who are not white uh who have struggled with x y and z or z um if we're trying to be all understanding, does that is that not a two-way street? Can they not understand that we legitimately are not trying, the vast majority of us, are not mm -hmm. trying to tick them off or be offensive or hurt their feelings when we say X, Y, or Z, or when we uh, uh, don't understand their point of view? Um, Why can't they understand that? Because they've had to... They've 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 had to understand our point of view for their entire existence. Mm -hmm. I think it's just we're we're finally starting to maybe look back and look beyond ourselves and understand that there is another point of view. I I wonder, and I'll come back to you on this, Matt. Um, again, about the, you know the the younger folks. Um, I believe that there's a mass amount of relational retardation happening right now. So much so that they, there's a problem communicating face-to-face, -face, especially conflict. Because the only way conflict seems to get communicated is by drive-by communication. 
text, Facebook, YouTube, comment sections. There are very few face-to-face communications. We drop things on Facebook comments. We subtly talk about this person or, or not even subtly, right? And and people uh, of young age, what's the politically correct term? <laughs> hey, kids, stop <laughs> kids tweeting on my lawn. Are ju- I want, I, I'm worried about this relational retardation that seems to be happening. Am I, am I, am I just an old man who feels this way? I think uh, what they're doing is actually expanding uh, relationship rather than stunting an area. I think they haven't lost face-to-face. They just said, hey, welcome to a bigger arena. Drew, do you want to step into the bigger arena and start communicating on a wider platform? I can communicate through a variety of means. Are I your board do- members listening to this interview? You are just, you're, you're so yeah. smooth, man. <laughs> but I say that that's where young people are coming from. That's where they're looking at saying, I know how to communicate across a lot of platforms. I don't communicate just one way face-to-face. I don't communicate just two ways, mm-hmm. just through texting. I'm communicating through five, seven different platforms. Uh, and so I'm having to learn actually how to be relational mm-hmm. in a totally different way than, than we, many of us have grown up uh, understanding how that is. You know, there was a great uh, documentary that uh, came out called Being 13. Uh, CNN did that. And what they found from that is young people, we don't understand the reality of that fear of going uh, to bed at night. Where you, have to, you can wait for a face-to-face conversation to deal with some conflict that's come up. Uh, but they have to realize that what's happening on social media while they sleep, there can be social suicide happening to them. Literally, uh, what's being posted, if they're not up, if they're not responding, if they're not navigating that. So they've got to learn how to deal with conflict, not just face-to-face. They've got to deal with it online. Now, I think that there's also uh, a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's being whiny, if it is being... Uh, you know, not being, not being strong when we post everything. I've got a complaint, so I'm going to put it on a blog. I've got an issue with something, so I'm just going to throw it on social media, and I'm going to hide behind that. I think that that's a problem that we're missing it on. The people aren't strong enough, and they're saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on a blog, and great, aren't, aren't I tough? Um, <laughs> well and said. I think now we're going saying, hey, you can throw it on there, but actually we're, you started with a face-to-face, and I think that's to your point there. I think there's, a, there's an importance that we're not missing out on that. All right. Uh, I want to go to Nathan on this comment. A uh, hundred years ago, 18-year-olds were charging German soldiers, most of them to their certain death, because there was a greater cause, a higher calling. Uh, today's 18-year-old are charging their credit cards to the max, still living with their parents, and their greater cause is making sure they post a comment about whatever has offended them that day. How does that sit with you? <laughs> well, in those terms, not well. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Matt spoke to this well. I, I, it's keyboard warriors, right? Millennials, and in particular, you know, younger people. You know, they they they're active on social media. They're seeing these things. They're seeing world issues come up, especially you know with what's been transpiring in the states. Mm. Uh, they want to have their voice, and sometimes that voice comes out uh, inappropriately. But you know th- what th- what they are what they are showcasing is that their de- their desire to engage. They want to have a voice in the world. They want to comment. They want to see. Uh, they want to see change, and they want to be a part of seeing that change come out. Now, sometimes, you know, and this is part of our job as people working with young people is to try to be able to say, all right, 
we, we appreciate your passion. We, want, we see that you want to have a voice in these matters. But this is how you can channel it even beyond just commenting on a YouTube mm. clip. This is how you can actually, in, in, actually incite some change in your communities in the world as, uh, as well. I'm going to pop in here real quick. Well, I was just about to invite you in. Yes. The problem with your analogy is um, it's a different time and a different place. Uh, by the way, the reason that World War I was such a mess is because behind-the-line generals were making front-line decisions. The old people who were completely out of touch with what was going on, where it counted, had no idea. And that's why it kept being so horrible. Number two, I don't think it's fair to say that just – we've talked about this before, the whole idea of, of you know, media, the anonymity and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, th I think that the, the, the social media is a different type of weapon. You know, look at the, the Arab Spring and how the rebellions and things changed over there. It was – the social media mm -hmm. that was the people charging into the fray for lack of a better description and people's lives were in danger and, and some people were taken care of by the government because of their stance on social media mm -hmm. so I, I'm not sure if that analogy is is totally fair okay I just want to put some balance on it is this totally fair okay I think that we all think that people get offended a lot, and therefore that offending thing becomes assimilated into our being. And I think we think that so many people are being offended so that we should then be offended. Um, but the actual reality is that people are not as offended as the media is making out uh, everything is, is be, you know, people are being offended. So in other words, um, I do wonder what role uh, media has played in the whole uh, thin-skinned thing that we're talking about here right now. Because um, if it's, oh, someone got offended, it makes a news story. Um, and then we start to think that uh, we're hearing all these I'm offended stuff, and then we start to get assimilated into that same mindset. When the reality is, a boatload of people were not offended or didn't even give a holy grunt about whatever just happened, whether Kanye hit his head on a sign or, I don't know, whatever. That was the only thing that popped into my head. I was offended with that. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I, I just doubt whether people are as offended as we're actually saying they are. Matt, you're leaning in for that one. Yeah, well, I, I think for sure media elevates the, uh, the importance or the role of making people feel offended or that we have to be more offended right. for it. Right. If a media can raise up, hey, there's an offense here, people are going to tune in. Why do you think you have so many people listening to your show? Because I'm this, offensive. Exactly. And it goes well, <laughs> and it sells, and it draws an audience. Be like, hey, what? That's the role of media. Media, they're, they're bottom line, they're profit-driven. Are we going to get listeners? Are we going to get viewers? Mm -hmm. And what's going to draw people together? We're going to tell people that they should be offended about this. They should be upset. So tune in. We're going to show you how to respond to it kind right, of stuff. Right. So they do elevate it. It also doesn't dismiss the fact that there actually is things that people are and should be offended about. Right. Uh, and so I think that they, they, they catapult it, they elevate it, uh, they put it in front of people to make it more offensive, and yet I don't think it diminishes the fact that there are also some things that we better be offended about. Right, right. Well, as a, um, yeah, a middle-aged, uh, heterosexual, white male, North American male... You're describing yourself? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just checking. I have. I cannot think. And I, guys, I will give the first one who can come up with something that I should be offended about, uh, and it, it, not that I should be offended about. I want you to help me find something that I could be offended about, because I nothing offends me. Do I get upset at stuff? Sure. Do, does if someone says something that is stupid, do I go, yeah, that's stupid? Yeah. But offended. I can't think of – and, Tim, you're, to your point, you're going to say, well, of course you're not offended. You're a privileged white guy, and, you know, you haven't had to fight the battles that other minorities have – I can't – I'm sorry. I'm trying to be offended at something, but I can't. Okay. No, but I can't – I can't – 
Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> it, it, there's there's lots of people throughout humanity and time that don't get offended by stuff. Congratulations. It just sounds to me, I feel like we're in a world where everyone should have a little offend. If you're not offended, then you're not a social justice warrior. You don't care. You're apathetic. You're, you're spoiled. Well, we, we need some of you and we need some of me in this world. I got you, babe. I got you. <laughs> You're not going to do that, though. Uh, okay, let's move on to the final topic because we're running out of time. Oh we're going to fly goodness. through this one. Should spiritual leaders, should spiritual leaders be older? <laughs> uh, not that being older makes you smarter, but shouldn't spiritual leaders have a little more life experience under their belt before they're put into positions of leadership? Would you be okay sitting under the guidance of a 25 to 35-year-old guru? Surely uh, this, uh, this um, attention-seeking pastor's church is now rethinking their decision to make this 29-year-old man a pastor after he live-streamed his vulgarity-laden suicide rant. Wow, that was like a, a uh, biggest run-on sentence in the world. Very well done. That was a Conrad Black move. Um, obviously, anyone can get to a dark place of thinking that they want to end their life, and we hope he, that this guy gets some help. But it's really hard to imagine a spiritual leader over 50 wanting to live-stream their suicide. Matt. Would you, I mean, I, I'm even thinking specifically of a, a local church who had a senior pastor, and they think the guy was, I don't know, 29 or 33 or whatever. And I know Jesus died at 33, but okay, again, we're talking, this is a very different uh, world these days. And there just seems to be some some wisdom missing in some of our uh, spiritual leaders. And one of the reasons, I think, is because they were making them spiritual leaders too early. Isn't there a verse? Isn't there a verse? It says, don't be making them spiritual leaders too early. Well, it's probably right beside the don't look down on them because they're young. They'll set an example. Oh, I hate when that happens. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think what's important there is actually what is missing and what could be missing is the mentoring piece. Uh, regardless of what age you're trusting someone with key leadership, whether we're in the camp world or trusting kids who are 16, 17, 21, 25 with key leadership responsibilities. But leadership or is different than spiritual leadership yep, of, a, of well, a flock. But I, No, but a cabin leader is responsible for those five uh, guys or girls that are in their cabin. They're mm-hmm. a spiritual leader there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cab, uh, you know, person responsible for more of a section is a, is a spiritual leader. Someone who's responsible for a church, an organization. Those are all different spiritual leaders in different ways. Well, what I think what needs to happen is that you're not going it as a lone ranger. That what's uh, really important is it saying, who are, who's this mentoring you? Yeah. Who's speaking into your life? I don't care if you're 80 years old. You should have someone older than you. You've got to find someone. That's going to be a harder job. Yeah, you might have to but dig, you <laughs> dig them up somewhere. <laughs> but someone, find someone that's going to speak into your life that you're able to, they're able to ask the 10% question. Everyone can ask you the first 90%. Yeah. It's someone who you really trust, who you know is for you, that can ask you that 10% left that's going to push you, that's going to help you not be in those dark spots. All of us, all ages, need to have those that are mentoring us above and those that we're mentoring as well. Great. Thank you for that. Matt, Nathan. Yeah, it's, so uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you what Matt was say saying. Ditto. Yeah, well, you know what? Leadership, Christian leadership in particular, is not about a measure of tenure that, to, to decide who gets a seat at the table of privilege. You know, uh, Christian leadership is good. about raising up the next generation, and I think that's countercultural to what leadership uh, looks like uh, outside of the church. Uh, it's it, you know part of effective leadership is who is coming beneath or who is coming uh, after you. How are you setting that person up to run further and faster? That was. I don't know what's what is wrong with you guys. Ironically, they're younger than you. Oh, shut up. <laughs> 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 and Tim gets the last word of the show. Well, we're going to, uh, we'll catch up with this next week, Timmy. So uh, that'll be fine. Thank you for tuning in to the Drew Marshall Show today. That was our uh, pub crawl. And uh, yeah, we cracked open a few topics. 
with a couple of couple of good guys. We'd like to have them back. Nathan from Pioneer Camp and Matt from Camp Quassant. Um No, it's not called Pioneer. It's called Ontario Pioneer Camp. You have to works. get that right. Folks, thanks for tuning in. It was a real privilege to have your ears. And uh, if we offended you, we're deeply, deeply sorry. <laughs> sorry, that wasn't serious at all. Bye. Like a bomb, I'm a liberal backslider.